Hey everybody, welcome to episode 21 of the Born Quarantine Movie Review. I'm Janelle. This episode is titled The Accidental Podcast, which is actually pretty appropriate given the fact that this podcast was accidentally started in order to keep our staff engaged and our customers engaged virtually with the Graham Cinema. Also, too, we are reviewing the 1988 Best Picture nominee, The Accidental Tourist, starring William Hurt, Kathleen Turner, and Gina Davis. It's based on a book, a Pulitzer Prize nomination, or a finalist uh, from 1985 by Ann Tyler. Very good book, very well written. It's a heavy subject matter dealing with the loss of a child, deals with obviously grief, loss, hope and redemption and it's about a couple whose marriage is dr- driven apart by their grief and how they deal with grief differently so it's a really good character exploration of how people deal with grief di- differently and i think that given the subject matter it's definitely a heavy toned movie it's deemed as a romantic comedy, and it definitely has its moments. Gina Davis brings a lightness to the movie, and she very much earned her Academy Award. There's a lot of talk about whether or not her role was actually a starring role, since her screen time is actually quite significantly larger than Kathleen Turner's, who was billed higher because she was the bigger star, and that was just how things were and still are. Usually the bigger stars get the higher billing. One could have argued that Kathleen Turner had a true supporting role, and William Hurt didn't get a, uh, failed to get an Oscar nomination. I think at that time he had already had three straight Oscar nominations with one win, and unless he was guaranteed to win, which he wasn't, he was going to lose to Dustin Hoffman for Best Actor. Um, they weren't going to nominate him for a fourth straight time. The acting is very good in the movie. Um, it's carried by the strength of the of the actors. The supporting cast is very strong. It's definitely a very good movie. At times, it can have pacing issues, but I think given the subject matter, it's very appropriate. It's meant to be kind of a heavy topic, obviously, uh, when you talk about death. The character, the lead character of Macon Leary is very much a detached person. His family is very detached. They're very OCD. His existence is compounded by the fact that his son is murdered and his wife leaves him because she feels that she has been abandoned by him and that he is just sleepwalking through life. So this kind of causes him to further regress into that. And uh, Gina Davis, being the quirky dog trainer, kind of comes in and saves the day, so to speak. And it becomes a tug of war throughout the second half of the movie between Kathleen Turner and Gina Davis over him, which is uh, an interesting dynamic. A business traveler should bring only what fits in a carry-on bag. Checking your luggage is asking for trouble. I know you loved Ethan, and I know you mourn him, but there's something so muffled about the way you experience things. It's as if you were trying to slip through life unchanged. Sarah, I'm not muffled. I endure. I'm holding steady. I know you think that. 
but I think you're fooling yourself. It's not by chance you write those silly books telling people how to make trips without a jolt so they can travel to the most wonderful, exotic places in the world and never be touched by them, never feel they've left home. That traveling armchair isn't just your logo, it's you. You don't know what you want. One minute you like me and the next you don't. One minute you're ashamed to be seen with me and the next you think I'm the best thing that ever happened to you. You think you can just go along like this, no plans. Maybe tomorrow you'll be here, maybe you won't. Maybe you'll just go on back to Sarah. Yank that leash. He knows what he's supposed to do. Good. Don't forget the clock. Every little minute, you have to praise him. Ow. Pick up that slack. You want to drive him off. You three wasted your chances, and now you want me to waste mine, but I won't do it. I can see what's what. What you got, Scott? So Scott's getting uh, assailed by a couple of dogs right now, so we'll just kind of let that... Alright, so... So, the accidental tourist. It's funny, I remember that when I was younger, bits and pieces of it. You know, it came out uh, in a year that, you know, you had movies like Rain Man, and right. then you had Who Framed Roger Rabbit came out that year. Yeah. You had some really big movies. Working Girl, which is another good comedy. Right. Um, and it kind of got... It kind of got buried with uh, with all those uh, comedies, but it still garnered a Best Picture nomination. And of course, you have Gina Davis winning a surprise Oscar. Yes, she was a surprise like Kevin Klein was. It was supposed to be uh, Sigourney Weaver. Right, and I thought I thought Sigourney Weaver should have won too because she was she played a great A bitch in uh, in Working Girl. So mm. there was a lot of people. Well, who else was in, uh, up for Best Supporting Actress in that category? Um, Frances McDormand for Mississippi Burning. Michelle Pfeiffer, Dangerous Liaisons. Mm, one could have made an argument for her. And, God, who was the fifth one? Because I looked this up. Was it Juliette Lewis for something? No, Juliette Lewis was not oh. done yet. No, okay. Let me yeah, see. Just cheat. Uh, yeah, let me cheat. I will find it. Because I believe it was something. Oh, Joan Cusack for Working Girl. It just came to me. Was she? Okay, yes. so she was. Yeah, she played uh, the really obnoxious friend with the really thick New York accent. Yeah. Yes. Because I watched Walking Gr- Working Girl last night, actually, too. Oh, you did? Yes, I did. Because I hadn't seen that in years either. And um, No, I guess I haven't either. And, I, um, you know, I, I know people are divided on the accidental tourists because a lot of people, there, there's some people out there that think it's a slow-moving movie. Mm-hmm. And I get that. Um, it's a character study. It is. So it's primarily, it, you know, it focuses on somebody who's completely detached himself, uh, which is a very human re- reaction. It's actually, I, I call it a very realistic portrayal of, of how people actually deal with death. Right. Because real life is actually pretty boring. <laughs> yeah. And his, his reaction, and when you look at the beginning... You have Kathleen Turner in it for like five minutes and then she disappears for like a third of the movie. Right. And then comes back. But she kind of lays it all out and she basically says to him, I'm basically suicidal. And he just kind of brushes over it like it's nothing. You right. know, he's like, it's true what you say that people are evil. Mm-hmm. And she just basically said, I don't know if I can live anymore. Right. So that's how horribly detached he is you know you got gina davis that comes in a very quirky person and then you have his family who are very um quirky people 
And then you have the dog, uh, the corgi, which factors heavily into the plot, obviously. I thought overall it was a well-done movie. I think that um, I think that they could have worked on the pace a little bit, but I think I understand why it was. I think it's good, but yeah, kind of unmemorable. Yeah, kind of and I think average. that's what a lot of people I say. Think that's why people. Yeah, the Larry. It's directed by Larry Kasdan, who co-wrote Star, uh, The Empire Strikes Back, and Raiders of the Lost Ark, and. Right. He did the big. He, uh, he directed the Big Chill, so he did like three movies with William Hurt. Right. The Big Chill, Body Heat, and Accidental Tourist, and that's probably why I think that it's it's a good movie. But I think a lot of people forget forget about it. It's kind of a good exploration of how grief works in people's lives and how people deal with grief differently. Sure, sure. But like um, I saw the movie. Uh, it was probably been 15 years now, and mm. I had to rewatch it because I didn't remember anything about it. Yeah, actually, I did too. I checked I, it out a few weeks ago, and I'm like, I totally forgot about this. Mm. But I know that, that there were questions about Gina Davis's Oscar that she should have maybe been nominated for Best Actress and not Supporting Actress. She was actually in the movie much more much than Kathleen. more than Kathleen Turner, yes. Right. Kathleen Turner was, you could have argued, was a Supporting Actress. But she was billed I higher. I don't really think you could argue it. I think she was the supporting she role. She was the supporting role, and, but uh, she was billed higher, I guess, because Well, of, she was a bigger star, plus they had made, uh, I, I, I believe they made a kind of a deal back then about her and William Hurt had done Body Heat together. Right, and there, I, was people, there were people that was, you know, eight years ago, before that movie came out, or mm-hmm. seven years before that movie came out. So I think at the time that, yeah, I think they were making that... I think we talked about this before about you know star actors getting higher billing regardless of how long they're in the movie for. Right. So I mean I think the acting was everybody the acting was really good. Um, I don't think that they were going to nominate William Hurt again because he, I think he had like three or four straight Oscar nominations um, yeah. prior to that. Yeah, I think after a while they don't want to nominate you unless they're. Pretty confident you're going to win. Right, and that year it was Dustin Hoffman. It was that Dustin one. Hoffman, Rain Man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I liked it when I saw it. I can understand why it kind of got lost. Um, I know that there was also criticism of Johnny Williams' score, but I liked his score for that movie. And that year was kind of an obscure year for Oscar, not for Best Picture nominations. You had Working Girl, Rain Man. Um, Mississippi Burning. Mississippi Burning, which one could argue was better and that movie was certainly certainly more controversial than it was the controversial. others. Yeah, and um, it was. Uh, it fell into that uh, white savior thing that mm, makes some people mad. Yeah, true, true. But it's a very good movie. I it would definitely, rec- I would definitely recommend that one. And that would have been actually. And they missed Roger Rabbit that year. They were not going to nominate that one for some. For, but they oh, gave, God. but they gave him special Oscar for it. Apparently, yeah, uh, Dangerous Liaisons was the fifth one. Right. That one I never actually saw. It was good. It was good? But it okay. was kind of... I found it kind of distracting that, uh, like, everybody talked with an American... They, they didn't even try to do... I oh, the British accent. I guess it wouldn't be British anyway. I guess that's technically not right when they do that. But. Well, and that comes to that question, too. Like, I, you know, um, when you have something like that, would you not try to get... I mean, I guess they wanted big-name actors... Well, Michelle Pfeiffer wasn't really a big-name actress at that time. I mean, she was no. kind of up there, but she wasn't not really, not. Not really A-list yet. No. It boggles my mind why they do that, why yeah, they just kind of... Yeah, and Keanu Reeves had a supporting role in it, 
And oh. He can't act at all. He just can't. That's kind of like in Bram Stoker's Dracula. He yes, he killed right. that entire movie. His casting yeah. killed that movie. I don't know why they put him in dramas. I mean, even even Carrie Elwes. I mean, Carrie Elwes is is British American actor, but he has an American accent, and we could, I believe he does. But he does British a British accent very well. Mm-hmm. He would have been a better better Jonathan Harker in in Dracula. I think that. And it's quite obvious when he's when Keanu Reeves is pitted against high quality actors. The he's working. He's doing scenes with like Glenn Close and John Malkovich. And he's totally he's, being overwhelmed dude, by really? them. Come on! <laughs> like you're talking great actors versus a guy who can't really act. Probably a nice guy, but can't act. Yeah, because I, I looked up the the credits and I'm like, Keanu Reeves was in that, really? Mm-hmm. Okay, now I now I gotta watch it. I'm curious. I real young. Yeah, I can imagine. And um, I, I think it was even a little bit before Bill and Ted, so... Yeah, it was, actually. I think, I think Bill and Ted was the year after, something like that. It was, like, early 89. Yeah, so. yeah. I guess the kind of segues into, into you know, what I figured we would talk about was, obviously, when the Oscars get it wrong, which is pretty mm-hmm. often. <laughs> pretty often. Every year they get something wrong. Or they don't have the, the, the stones to... To make the right choice in terms of, you know, you can see it years later when a movie wins Best Picture, and then like five years later, nobody remembers it. Right, right. Like, you know, there's a lot of articles out there like Gandhi winning Best Picture. I think was it 1981 or 82? 82. 82, uh, Over ET. It was the same year ET. Yeah. Yeah. You said before that was back in the day when the boring movies won. 80s was about when it started. Like they they gave it to the more boring movies. Like Out of Africa. That should never have won. No, Out of Africa. uh, Any other of those Best Picture nominations would have been a better choice over Out of Africa. Any one of them. They were. They were all better. They were all All, better. Uh, You know, Color Purple, even Kiss of the Spider Woman. Well, I didn't see Kiss of the Spider Woman. Yeah, I guess I I can't comment on uh, that. Witness and Color Purple, I know, were both better. Those would have been better. Even Pritzi's Honor would have been a better choice. But that was kind of like a Dark Horse nomination. Yeah. You know, but those movies were all better. And And I think you look at like Ordinary People Beat. Raging, raging Bull. Bull. And Raging Bull. Nobody remembers Ordinary People. But everybody anymore. remembers Raging Bull. You know, and, and that nobody was... remembers Chariots of Fire other than the, the song. Right, and Raiders of the Lost Ark should have won. I mean, well, it clearly was by far the best picture of 1981. Well, there's a lot of people, now this is controversial to a lot of people, argue that Back to the Future was the best picture of 1985. Nah. No, I don't think so. It was great. It's the highest grossing film of 1985, but mm-hmm. I don't think it's the best picture of 1985. There are, are better pictures, better no, movies. Yeah, um, um, just because it's the highest grossing movie doesn't mean it's the best movie. Um, but it was good. I mean, everybody remembers it. Everybody loves it. Yes, I agree with that. But mm-hmm. I think that was way too fringe for the Academy to even nominate that movie for best picture. Yeah. Goodfellas. Well, the most obvious... You would have a lot of people argue with that because Dance, really? Dances with Wolves is a beloved movie. It is a good movie despite Kevin Costner. Yes, I will say that. Um, I um, mean, he, he plays himself in that movie, so I can't really... It's a good... Yes, um, I really like Dances with Wolves. It's a good movie. I will definitely not... Well, if you're going about it, like, and, and like my opinion, Forrest Gump shouldn't have won. 
But a lot, that, of people, a lot of people saying that was a consolation. A lot of people would have kicked. Well, and that was the year that that was just the year of Gump. Everybody went crazy over, over Gump. Gump. Grace Kelly beating out Judy Garland for Best Actress. Yeah. Uh, for um, you know, A Star Is Born and yeah, uh, Country Girls. Country Girl. Grace Kelly won for yes. And she was kind of like seen as the flavor of the month kind of thing in Hollywood at the time. Yeah. And of course, not a lot of people cared about Judy Garland, especially in Hollywood at that point, because she was. Mm-hmm. And the height of her addictions, and yes. the height of her difficult difficulty, mm-hmm. um, and they butchered *A Star Is Born* too. They they cut that movie down, and which is why it didn't make sense when it. I guess it came out in theaters. Is that true? That's true. Yeah, they butchered they, the movie. They edited because they edited it, they edited it three hours long. Yeah, they edited it down because they wanted to get more more plays per cinema. So they, they cut out a substantial amount of footage. It's about three hours long. Yeah. They, I, I believe they did. Mm-hmm. Um, at the time when they were, uh, but, you know, obviously when they released it onto video, it came intact. But I guess the cut version, when, when Warner Brothers cut it down, they completely edited it in a way that it didn't make sense. Like, mm-hmm. none of the movie made any sense whatsoever. And they cut out some of, a lot of the musical numbers. Hmm. Yeah, it's bizarre. Maybe I saw the longer version then. Yeah, I mean, I've seen the longer version, and I'm like, I don't understand why they were saying this movie didn't make sense. I think it makes perfect sense. Mm. Um, yeah, is it a okay. little bit on the long side? Yeah, maybe, but... Maybe that's the one I saw. I mean, it was literally carried by Judy Garland. Like, the movie was basically carried by her. I mean, James Mason was okay, but, I mean, he was really not... His his character could have been played really by anybody. Uh, Norman Norman Maines. Mm-hmm. And also, I don't think it helped that movie kind of bombed at the box office, and I think that's why it bombed, because, because again, they, they, they edited it to a point where it just didn't make sense. Because they were trying to make, take advantage, and they never did. Mm-hmm. So, and it's, again, it's actors voting for actors, it's directors voting for directors, and, and I guess the entire Academy votes for the best picture. Is that, is that how it works? Yeah, yeah, everybody votes for picture. Right, so, and I can see what you were saying that, you know, the more best picture nominee is the best, the number one movie doesn't necessarily win, or the best movie doesn't necessarily win because you have... Split votes. They've changed the voting now, so uh, I think I believe it's if no movie gets at least I think twenty percent, then they start counting second, like people's number two. Yep. Everybody picks three picks: their first choice, second choice, and third choice. Mm. And so um, if the movie that wins isn't didn't necessarily get the first the most, choice, like number one votes. So I, th- I think that's how. Um, and I like the movie, but that's how I think Green Book won. Yeah, I, it probably is. Yeah, and everybody was. That's why everybody was like, "Oh, it's a white savior movie. It. It's a white savior movie. But it's not also, good." I don't think. I, if, ten years time, I don't think anybody's going to remember it. No, it's and just, I think you're right about that it's too. Kind of an average, good, solid movie. Yep, and it's good acting. Um, the acting is really good, and um, I'm yeah. I don't think there was any um, in the new in the new millennium. Because uh, I think I think Million Dollar Baby deserved Best Picture. I think it was the best of that year. But again, is it really remembered amongst the films that came out that year? I, I mean, a lot of people say that. Yeah, it's, yeah, Million Dollar Baby was the best picture that year. It was million, yeah. 
Let's see, it was Million Dollar Baby, Aviator. Um, oh, The Aviator. Red. I wasn't a fan of that movie. Really? I was. I, was, I mean, it was okay. I thought it was Oscar bait. That's why. That's yeah. probably why it was. It was. Uh, was it Scorsese? It was Scorsese, yeah. Trying to get that Oscar. Oh. That was yet another time. That was before he finally won. Yeah, yeah. And it was, yeah. So I, I felt that it was an Oscar. It, I'm not. It's not that it's a bad movie, but I felt it was an Oscar bait movie. Because Million Dollar Baby was kind of a last, like late. It, came it was out late like, entry. Right yeah. at the very end of the year. Mm-hmm. And um, I think Aviator won the Globe. I remember crying like a baby in the theater during Million Dollar Baby. I was just, that was the first movie that actually made me ugly cry in the theater. But yeah. yeah I was, was just was, like, was a, it was a great movie. It was a very good movie. It was well acted. It almost had that rocky quality to it a little bit, but it was a you know it was obviously a world reversal of a female version of that, and of course it has the twist at the end, the tragic twist at the end, and, and some could argue that that was an Oscar bait movie too. I don't think that was the intention. Whereas you know you have the the big grandioso movies and stuff like that, like the the clearly epic films that are mm-hmm. you could. Oh. Now that gets me to that 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 question. Um, are there glaring instances that it's clearly an Oscar, like to bait an Oscar win? Of movies that actually won, or yeah, well, either or movies that that people caught on that it's clearly Oscar bait, mm. an Oscar bait movie. Yeah, I don't know if I can think of any that were were obvious Oscar baits. I guess the um, maybe that and. Um... <laughs> it's it's tough because I, I guess it's a matter of opinion, right? Because uh, it kind of is, yeah. There's some kind. I mean, I think last year, I think a lot of people were saying that a Star Is Born was Oscar or two years ago or when we well, Star Is Born when it came out it was, was considered it, it, it peaked too early. Right, right. Because when it came out, everybody was like, "Oh, it's gonna it's gonna win picture, actor, and actress, and director." And that's the thing that when a that's movie the, comes out too soon, it works against it. That um, you know, yeah, absolutely. Um, because the later, uh, and that's what I think a lot of people say worked against Saving Private Ryan, too, is that it came out too soon. It came out in the summer. Yep. Of course, Silence of the Lambs came out in February. That's true, too. In February 91. That's true. Up winning, but that's that true, was too. exceptional. Yep, that was, that's true, too. And then, uh, yeah, because Shakespeare in Love, I think, was a late entry, too. It was, yeah, it didn't go wide until uh, 99. Yep. It was a, one of those open to Christmas and... Like select cities, right, right. Um, what do you think about Last Emperor winning Best Picture? Uh, again, <laughs> it's uh, I mean, well done, but it's like watching paint dry. Flies do it, yeah, yeah. I was okay. gonna say flies do it, but yeah, or that too. <laughs> <laughs> um, what was the what was the best picture in your opinion that year? Oh, I think it was eighty eight. Uh, eighty seven. Eighty seven. Of the movies that, of the were, movies that, that were, were nominated, yeah. honestly, Fatal Attraction. But it was, mm, a, I would it was agree. a genre movie. Again, the, the ending, I think, I think is stupid. But until, other than that, I think it's a... I mean, and that's a movie that, like you said, everybody remembers Fatal Attraction. Mm-hmm. And it's a very well done movie. And, and you were, like you said, it was probably very fringe mm-hmm. for the Academy to vote for that to be Best Picture. Was it a surprise that he would have even gotten a nomination? Um... Given the Academy's history at that point. Was it a surprise that Fatal Attraction got a nomination? Yeah. Even though it deserved it, that it got it. I mean, kind of. Uh, I think um, 
I think in those days they usually tried to nominate like one blockbuster movie. One popular movie. Like Ghost in 1990. Mm, right, yeah, yeah. Uh, which, if, which uh, well, a lot of people love Ghost, but yeah. looking back, I think it's good, but I think it's just kind of like... was That, that was the token popular nomination. Yeah. yeah, like you said, it's a good movie. It's People love it. I enjoy watching it. I enjoyed it. Thought it was intriguing. Was it best pick? Was it worthy of a best picture? I don't know. The nomination, I mean. Uh, there's another one in there that I was trying to think of that uh, right around the time of The Last Emperor. Oh, God. You could pretty much go down in the 80s. You could. Every it's year. Pretty much. Um, every year. Yeah. Ordinary People, uh, Chariots of Fire, Gandhi. Amadeus. Um, Amadeus. Um, 1984. Yeah. Terms of Endearment was a popular movie. I I could I mean I think the terms of endearment is really the only one that I might be like yeah okay um, yeah that one's uh, okay let's see uh, what was eighty six well platoon platoon was a big hit yeah and that was and a, so was Rain Man Rain Man was actually the highest it was person. the biggest it was actually the biggest movie that biggest year movies that year I mean I thought I thought Rain Man was a good movie um, and I guess again it comes down to how far the you know how far the academy was willing to go um one could have made an argument for Roger Rabbit i think okay, because the best movie of 1988 was die hard well yeah best i mean there's no way that was a best picture nomination but, no. but that's true nah. that's true <laughs> i i just think when i watch it now and i watch i mean it's a it, it's got a really good story even though it's maybe possibly a recycled story I mean, and I liked Rain Man, too. I just don't know. I don't know if it was, like, literally the best picture of that year. A lot of people make an argument for Working Girl. I'm like, nah, a Working Girl is a good movie. It's cute. It's cute. Melanie Gritham as Best Actress, though? Hell no. <laughs> well, how did she get that nomination? I, I, I mean, I watched it the other night. I'm like, really? This is a Best Actress nomination here? Mm-hmm. There were better performances that year. Oh, yeah. By far. Yes, yes. And I think it's because that movie was popular, very popular. Mm-hmm. Oh, and then the yet Scorny Weaver uh, became the first, one of the first lo- uh, double Oscar losers. Yeah. Which she was very embarrassed by, apparently. She said she, she said nobody came up to her that talked to her that night at the Oscar. She said, Oh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm like, we still love you, Sigourney. Mm-hmm. Um, but she felt very embarrassed by that. She said, I didn't want to make history that way that night. Mm. If I had to pick the bo- uh, the, bo- uh, the two performances that she had that year, she was very good in both of them, but I would have picked Working Girl. And she was a true supporting role in that movie. Mm. So, yes, Maybe, I... Yeah. Because she was um, in it, but kind of not in it, but, but very memorable. She played the office. Yeah, she played the executive bitch to a T. So um, condescending. Because when I watch the last, I'm like, oh, she's very condescending. Maybe she tries to come off as very nice. You're gonna have to rewatch it because Listen, I've only seen it once. I saw it several times. I saw it a few times when we played it. Yeah, when I was like ten. You're gonna have to watch it because mm-hmm. I mean, I I prefer Sigourney Weaver's performance over Melanie Griffith's all, all day. Anyway, I I just cannot stand Melanie Griffith's voice. <laughs> I just can't stand it. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. just so it's very little girlish. Yeah. So how she got an Oscar nomination for that is is perplexing. 
And then you got Harrison Ford who kind of disappears in that movie, but uh, yeah, but that's uh, definitely watch that one again because that one's I like the I like the movie. It's very entertaining. Sure. Um, I can understand why it did well that year, and it's so definitely check that one out. Thank you guys so much for listening this week we definitely recommend the accidental tourist and while you're at it we definitely would also recommend rain man and working girl also additional best picture nominees from 1988 1988 was actually a really good year for movies there was a lot of great stuff that came out and that's why we try to bring attention to some of these old hidden gems from the 80s and the 90s some really great stuff that people have forgotten about Definitely inbox us or comment on one of the podcasts. Give us your suggestions because God knows that Scott and I can't remember every single movie out there. So we are definitely open to suggestions and we know we have a pretty knowledgeable listen listenership out there. So definitely feel free to give us your suggestions. We are definitely open to that. And next week we're going to be reviewing a Another forgotten comedy from 1991 uh, starring Bill Murray and Richard Dreyfuss and also Julie Haggerty, What About Bob, directed by Frank Oz, a madcap comedy that features Bill Murray at his finest and also Richard Dreyfuss at his most neurotic, uh, hidden gem, a very funny movie, and a very popular movie that kind of got lost, uh, kind of got forgotten about over the years, but it's a classic nonetheless. And uh, definitely interesting to note that Bill Murray and Richard Dreyfuss actually didn't like each other. Bill Murray notoriously is a very polarizing figure in movies. You either love him or hate him. And he seems to have that reputation in Hollywood. He's also got um, a knack for doing random things. Uh, So we're also going to touch base on that in the next episode. So stay tuned for that.